You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 103. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 103. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How's summer going? So many of my clients are on vacations, taking trips. Everybody's so eager to get out and about. So if you are listening to this, I hope that you are able to do the same and enjoy time with friends and family and and getting a break from the routines of life. If you are feeling a little unfocused, a little um, kind of a lack of direction, maybe your brain is kind of all over the place and you don't really feel a sense of clarity and you would like to. I have something for you. I want you to go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 10Q. That's one zero Q. And I want you to download the 10 questions to ask yourself every day to give you clarity, focus, gratitude, a sense of accomplishment or satisfaction. These are the things that my super moms ask for the most. When I ask them, what do you want? What's missing? What do you want to feel? They usually want to feel clarity, calm, peace, but then also like a sense of like purpose, satisfaction, accomplishment. And they always (laughs) tend to say like, I should be grateful for what I have. You know, I have everything I want. What's wrong with me? Why can't I feel grateful? Well, sometimes we just get stuck in the muck. The role and job as mom involves lots of circular tasks. So there's laundry and dishes and just cleaning up after kids. What where there's no real sense of accomplishment, there's no end point. There's not really a sense of victory. Like as soon as you clean up one room of your house, then there's another room that needs your attention. And so it's really easy to get kind of stuck focusing on the like, I'm not doing enough. No matter what I do, it doesn't really give me a sense of satisfaction or there's not really a clear result of my efforts because those darn kids just wake up again the next day and demand more and complain and they never really give us like a gold star on our sticker chart. So these 10 questions I have designed for moms to ask themselves every day. This is five questions in the morning to get your brain focused in the direction you want to grow with the things you want to work towards. And then five questions to ask yourself in the evening before you go to bed. And so these are questions you can write in a journal, think about it. If you don't have an answer to the question, it's actually okay. The questions are more important than the answers even. But if you can put a good question in your mind, then you will get a much better result. So I remember hearing my coach say, everybody wakes up with a question in their mind. And I was like, is that true? Do I wake up with a question in my mind? And so I started to pay attention before I even got out of bed in the morning. Like, what is the question I have in my mind? And I realized that the question I had was, uh, when do I get to sleep in? (laughs) 
that was the question I wake up with. And where's the coffee? So it wasn't the most inspiring of all questions. So we want to make sure we're giving ourselves a good question inside our brain because our brain's like a, a puzzle to solve. You know, why am I doing all the work is not a great question to ask yourself. But we want to ask ourselves a good question like, how can I create a more relaxing life? Well, that's a great question to your brain to chew on. Um, how can I get what I want instead of how come I never get what I want or why won't anybody listen to me? Or I don't know, there's a lot of not such great questions that we can ask ourselves. So this, these 10 questions is designed to put some high quality thinking inside your brain and get you focused to move you closer to what you want. Because I have no idea what you want, (laughs) but the questions will help you figure it out. So go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 10Q, 10Q, and download your 10 questions or asking yourself them every day. It is free gift for you, mamas. All right, so let's get to today's podcast topic. Today's question comes from Amanda. And she writes, Dear Tori, I don't like my daughter's friends. I thought about writing and telling you all the reasons why I don't like them to justify my opinion, but I think it just boils down to the simple fact that I don't like them. I think her current group of friends are lazy, boring, and impolite. My daughter, age 15, seems to act like whoever she's with. I want her to uphold our family values and teach her friends how to behave in our home, to interact politely with adults, to clean up after themselves, to play rather than watch TV. But instead of being the leader, she follows their bad behavior when they are here. I like having the house that kids feel comfortable hanging out in. I like it that my daughter invites her friends over. I should be grateful that they aren't sneaking out, doing drugs, or getting into trouble. I realize it could be worse, but having them around is very triggering for me. What do you do when your house is full of people you don't like? Amanda. Okay, so let's start with the parent educator answer. What do you do when you don't like your child's friends? So first, I think you should celebrate. (laughs) Like, let's celebrate what a great job you've done. Because clearly, it sounds like these teenage girls feel very comfortable in your home And like you said, they are not doing anything illegal or dangerous. So let's start with what not to do when you don't like the friends your child is hanging out with. So number one, don't forbid a friendship. You might be tempted to voice your disapproval or declare that these girls are not allowed over anymore or unfit to be your daughter's friend, but be cautious of this. When a parent forbids their child to be friends with somebody, it puts a strain on your child's relationship with you and with them. So navigating adolescent friendships and parent-child friendships is hard enough without having your parents at odds with your friends. And so we don't want to add extra stress onto your daughter when she hears that her parents don't like her friends, okay? She's got enough to deal with trying to deal with you and these uh, female friendships at the age of 15. So the second reason to not forbid a friendship is because she's she would probably tell her friends that you don't like them. And that creates kind of a drama triangle with you as the enemy because teenagers bond over how annoying their parents are. So 
that's okay. Let her bond over how annoying you are. (laughs) But if you push back and you say that, you know, you don't like their friends, then it just puts her in a really awkward predicament. And then, you know, the friends get mad at you and they're annoyed with you and they act even more annoying than they maybe are now. So pushing back against your parents is a part of separating and becoming an independent adult. So we want to let her, if she wants to push back against mom and use it as a way to bond with her girlfriends, that's totally fine. Okay, so number one, don't forbid a friendship. Number two, don't get too involved. You never know what life lessons they are learning by choosing these girls. Maybe being with judgmental girls in the past has taught her she wants to be less judgmental now in the in the present. Maybe she's working up the courage to take on a leadership role and she feels safe experimenting with these quote-unquote boring girls. Like maybe they're the right girls for her to test the waters and become kind of a different person. Friendships help us figure out who we want to be. There was another episode where I talked about how when I was little, I gravitated towards very bossy girls. Yeah, I think it was the episode about the bossy or something like that. So for me, that totally worked. I needed to see girls who spoke their mind, who were fearless in their opinions, because it was teaching me how to do that because I was very fearful. So friendships are always helping us figure out like who we want to be, what kind of role we want to play. Do we like to be a leader? Do we like to be a follower? Do we like to be the one who comes up with the ideas? Do we like to be with creative kids, active kids? It helps us figure it out. So if moms come in and dictate who our kids should be friends with, then the kids miss out on this important developmental skill set of, you know, which persona do I feel most comfortable being? So number one is don't forbid a friendship. Number two is don't get too involved. Number three is don't expect loyalty or consistency. Kids change friends frequently, especially between the ages of 10 to 20. Developmentally, that's what they're supposed to be doing. They try on friends like they try on outfits in a clothing store. Do I like the way this outfit feels? Do I like how it looks? Is this me? Is it trendy? So as a mom, you really want to go with the friendship flow. You don't want to get too invested in the friends because they are, it's part of the identity, part of trying to figure out who you are, what feels good to you, you know, what kind of little subculture you want to belong in. Do I like friends that are that like to read books and are more intellectual? Do I like friends that are active outdoorsy? Do I like friends that like to be creative? Like they're just trying to figure it out. So as a mom, you want to try to see the good in every friend that your child has. So if you find yourself in the situation where you don't like your child's friends, don't forbid their friendships, don't get too involved, and don't expect loyalty or consistency. What you do want to do is to be a good hostess. When the friends come over, as the mom, you could bring them snacks, you can be polite, you can model the behavior you want to see in your daughter. Try to get to know them a little bit, but don't get too attached. Sometimes we get triggered because we need to establish some rules or boundaries. So I want to talk a little bit about house rules to see if maybe, Amanda, 
this is why it's bugging you because maybe you're letting too much happen and you are it sometimes like our subconscious kind of nags at us when we need to set a boundary and we're kind of being feel like we're being taken advantage of so pay attention see if this sounds like you because maybe it's time to set some house rules so house rules are rules that everybody in your home agrees to like 100% of the time so this is something that in this home you know we always all take our shoes off when we enter. Um, You might say, we don't name call in this house. We don't have cell phones at the dinner table. Uh, We don't eat food in the bedrooms. It stays in the kitchen. Whatever it is, this is something that everybody, every member of your house and including other people, when other people come into your home, you can share the house rules with them. You know, in this house, we don't hit people. We don't swear, whatever it is, you know, take our shoes off. We say polite greetings and fond farewells. That might be a house rule that you have, that you greet people when you walk in and you say goodbye when you leave, okay? And so that's something that you can institute even on your daughter's friends and say, hey, in this house, we do it this way. These rules should be very clear, very obvious when violated, and they should apply to everybody. So you can't have a rule of like be nice because be nice is very subjective and people could argue, oh, I was being nice. I, to me, that is nice. So you, you don't want to uh, have it too vague or general. So my question to Amanda is, is there a house rule that you'd like to enforce with your daughter's friends that would make you feel comfortable, more comfortable having them in your home? So my husband likes to say that we have a house rule that goes, we don't watch other people work. He thinks if you see someone working, you should jump up to help. Well, this is very idealistic, but this cannot be a house rule because he would be violating it all the time (laughs) because my kids and my husband have been watching me work without helping for years. And sometimes, you know, we're not always going to jump up to help people. But you could say that maybe when you see your grandparents working, you should jump up to help or something like that. We could communicate this as a value that you don't watch other people work. Now that for, for us and our family, our kids are older. So if they want to bring friends around, we could announce that in our family, if you see someone working, please offer to help. It's a value, not a rule. Okay. There's no consequences if you don't do it. We just, this is something that we want to instill and uphold in our home. So that's kind of the difference between a value and a rule. What's important here for all moms, Amanda included, is we want to make sure that we're staying in our own business. So in this situation that Amanda's in, she's there's a couple different things that are going on that we want to make sure she's focused on the things that she has control over. Because when you try to control something you don't have control over, it is, it leads us to frustration, we get resentful, it just doesn't feel good. So in this situation with Amanda's daughter and her friends that she doesn't like, there are some things that are just her daughter's business. Her daughter gets to decide who she likes, who she invites over, how she behaves when she is with them whether she enforces her family rules or values, whether she acts like her friends and it changes her behavior to be more like them. That's 
kind of your daughter's business. And so you can be annoyed by that or not, but there's nothing you can do about that. She gets to decide she's 15 years old. She's trying to figure out who she is, trying to navigate who I am as a daughter versus who I am as a friend. There's a lot of nuances there. Your daughter's friend's business, they get to decide how they act in your home. You can tell them how you want them to act, but they get to decide how they act, how they talk to you, whether they clean up after themselves, how they treat your daughter, what activities they choose to engage in is totally their business. Like we can let go of that. We can let go of everything that is your daughter's business and that is her friend's business. You can decide what you say. You get to decide who you have in your home too. That's your, we're getting to your business. But you just want to let go of everything that you don't have control over and really separate that out. Your life will be much easier and more peaceful. So there also is here is God's business. So God's business is the fact that teenagers are often lazy, impolite, judgmental, whatever, especially post-pandemic teens are going to have some social delays. Their social development on how to talk to other people's parents or how to treat people, like we're going to see delays. If they have been in social isolation for a year, they're going to forget how to interact with people. So that's totally just God's business. It's God's business that many teenagers prefer watching TV over cleaning up after themselves, (laughs) and that most teenagers like to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So, of course, it's they're going to want to lay around, watch TV, eat junk food, and not clean up. Like, that's pretty common. Most post-pandemic teens, you're going to see some delays in etiquette, social skills. Most teenagers, this is God's business. Most teenagers are going to prefer hanging out in houses without strict rules. So that's probably why they like hanging out at your house is because there aren't strict rules about how to behave. They they can kind of do what they want. That's pretty common for teenagers. They like to be left alone. So what here do you have control over? What is your business, mama? Well, you get to decide what the rules are in your house. You get to decide if you want to enforce and remind your daughter and her friends of these rules or of the values that you espouse. You get to decide if you want to remind them of the behavior you expect from them. Uh, You could ask them to clean up. You can be super polite and respectful to them in hopes that you're setting a good example. Your business is what you think inside your head, what you feel, what you say, and what you do. (laughs) That is 100% your business. So if you focus on these, you're going to feel a lot less frustrated. So let go of everything that isn't your business and just focus on you and what you have control over and how you want to communicate when your daughter's friends are over. Okay, today's life coaching answer when you decided to be a house that kids feel comfortable hanging out in, I'm guessing you pictured lovely, fun, polite, trustworthy, helpful kids who engage with you and your daughter in friendly and authentic ways. Perhaps you didn't know what you were signing up for when you said you wanted to be the house where kids hang out. 
socially isolate these kids for a year with their only interactions happening through screens, and you're going to see some delays in their social and emotional development. It's going to be weird for them to do anything other than watch TV when that's all they've been doing for a year. It's going to feel strange to interact with other people's parents, to be in other people's houses. They're not going to know what the expectations are for their behavior. So that's just something to remember that, yes, okay, you get to be the house people hang out in, but you maybe didn't realize you were signing on for post-pandemic teens. The most important thing I think, Amanda, for you to remember is that these are not your friends. You do not have to like them. It is perfectly okay for you to want to hang out with people your age who align with your values and act the way you like. So letting go of your expectations will help you feel more at peace. So once you can do that, let go of these previous expectations you have, adapt to the current reality of post-pandemic teens hanging out in your house and giving yourself permission to not like them, then you can go get into integrity with yourself. I think of integrity as aligning your thoughts, your feelings, and actions. We want to get you intact. Say what you mean, mean what you say, all in alignment. Because when you're thinking these girls are rude, but smiling and being polite, it doesn't feel good. This dissonance, this discord feels yucky to us on the inside. When we're with people we don't like, we turn into someone we don't like. If you're thinking they shouldn't act this way, they should be nicer, they should be different, I don't like them then you're creating negative emotions inside of yourself. When you're feeling negative on the inside, but not allowing yourself to show it on the outside, it creates discomfort inside of yourself. You're out of your own integrity. Suddenly, you're not relaxed. You're not easygoing. You tell yourself not to say anything rude, but inside you feel rude. You feel annoyed. You're just being rude to yourself instead of being rude to others. So when you dislike someone, it's usually because of who you become when you are with them. So the good news here is that that is 100% your business. If you could be your best self, no matter who you are with, then other people's idiosynchronicities wouldn't bother you so much. So first, we're going to let go of the expectations that you should like your daughter's friends. Second, Focus on who you want to be while they are around and get in alignment with your own integrity. And then third, let's separate out facts from your thoughts about the facts. Because your thoughts are, I don't like them, they're rude, they're boring, they're a bad influence on my daughter, whatever. You've got some thoughts here that are not the facts of the situation. So I think it's always helpful whenever you feel triggered to separate the facts from your thoughts. I don't know all the facts, so I'm just going to guess and give some examples that may or may not be true. So if you're listening and you're in a similar situation, do your own. Take out a piece of paper or journal and write down the facts that are neutral, that are something that you could take to a court of law and argue, and 100% of the jury would agree with you that these are facts. So 
in this case, I'm going to give an example, some examples. Fact, your daughter has friends who spend time in your house. You could track that. You could put a hidden camera in and you could observe that that is a true fact. These friends often choose TV over outdoor activities. So you could often as a subjective word, but you could track it and you could say, okay, this many hours, they spend five hours at my house. Three of those five hours are spent watching TV, whatever, four of the five. And you could do some math and you could say the majority of the time or whatever. So we can probably put a number in there. The fact is your daughter doesn't tell her friends how to behave. That might be a fact. That may not be. We don't know what she's whispering to them. We don't know what she's saying to them when you're not around. So that may or may not be a fact. Uh, The house is messier after the friends leave than before they arrive. Like you could take a picture before, take a picture after, and you could prove that is a true fact. Uh, A fact might be when your daughter's friends are over, the words please and thank you are rarely heard. Okay, so that might be a way to say they're impolite. You can't say that's a fact that they're impolite. You want to think of an example of how that might be manifesting. So when you're making your list of facts, think about taking your statement to a court of law, having everybody on the jury agree with you. So like, for example, I started to write, these friends prefer TV to outdoor activities, But I changed it to these friends often choose because that is something you can track and prove because they might prefer outdoor activities. But for whatever reason, they're choosing to watch TV. Like maybe they all three of them, I don't know if there's three, but let's say all three of them are sitting there on the couches watching TV and every single one of them is saying, gosh, I'd rather be outside. Gosh, I wish I could get my friends to go for a bike ride. Gosh, I wish these girls would, you know, walk to the store with me, whatever. We don't know what they prefer. So you can't use that word. You just want to be very careful to word your facts in a neutral tone and with factual words. So once you get all these thoughts written down, then you can separate them from the thoughts that you have about the facts. So, and you can change your thoughts to something that's more peaceful to get you back in alignment with your integrity and values. Some of my favorite thoughts are, my daughter is learning something from these friends that I could never teach her. My child is learning something that I could never teach her on my own. That is such a good thought to use whenever you find yourself in a triggering situation because it's so often true. My daughter or my child is still learning how to socialize with friends and parents at the same time. Like, think about that. Your teenager when they were little, they could socialize, kind of parents and kids were around each other all the time. But for the last year and more, as they get older, they don't tend to socialize with parents and kids in the same room. So they socialize with teenagers when they go to school. And then there's the teachers who they see as very separate, right? They don't tend, 14, 15 year olds do not tend to like and embrace being friends with a teacher. When they get closer to 18, That's when this developmental stage comes in called universal acceptance, where suddenly 18-year-olds can be friends with their teachers. They can be friends with underclassmen, you know, like an 18-year-old doesn't mind 
so much talking to a freshman, but a freshman really feels uncomfortable talking to a junior, you know, or a junior feels might feel uncomfortable talking to a freshman. So it's this funny little developmental stage that's socially and developmentally normal, but that we might see delays in because of COVID. So now it might be by the time they get to 20, maybe by the time they're 20, they can socialize with adults and peers in the same room. So that's totally a good thought to remind ourselves of that like our teenagers are still learning how to socialize with their friends and their parents at the same time. Another thought I like to think is I can teach these girls how to treat me and I can teach them how to treat my house. That might be a helpful thought for you to think too. So just choose the thoughts that make you feel an alignment with your own integrity and you will feel much, much more at peace. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is parents' good friend expectations. So often parents can have very high expectations or standards for how to be a good friend that it can be hard for kids to live up to these expectations. So if you catch yourself saying, you know, she's not a good friend to you or that's not how good friends behave, keep in mind that your standards might be true for a 40-year-old but kids are still figuring all this out. And these children need room. They need to have room to make mistakes. They need to, you know, be able to do something stupid, be a bad friend, quote unquote, and then apologize, forgive, learn how to resolve conflict. It's really important for kids to have conflicts so that they can grow through them, move past, talk it out. If your child's friend lies, don't jump to, hey, that's not what good friends do. You know, she's a bad person. You should drop that friend. Kids lie. The way that we figure out that honesty is important is by being lied to. When someone lies to us, we like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And so we're like, I don't think I should lie anymore. That's like we learned from experiencing the negative consequences about this. Kids have no idea what loyalty is or trust until they experience betrayal. And then when they know what it feels like when somebody betrays you, all of a sudden you're like, wow, loyalty and trust is super important. That's how we learn. So friendship is a journey through social and emotional developmental stages with so much learning along the way that we don't want to jump to a black and white conclusion of like good friend, bad friend, mean girl, nice girl. Watch out for these blanket statements. You're coming from an adult perspective trying to help, but these kids are still needing to figure it out through errors, okay? Errors in judgment, mistake making. We are all good people who sometimes do bad things. We're all nice people who sometimes say mean things. Like because of COVID and so much online socializing, you can expect to see delays in children's ability to socialize with each other. And that's okay. Give some grace, give them room to make mistakes and know that this is an important part. The important part here is that they're trying, they're experimenting, they're failing and they're learning. Okay. So make sure they're having enough experiences with friends for them to make lots of mistakes, experiment, and fail so that they can learn from that and grow. Today's Supermom Power Boost is reflecting on friendships. 
and helping your kids reflect on friendship. So friendships teach us a lot about who we are, what we want, what we value, what's important to us. When moms can suspend their judgment and ask open-ended questions instead of kind of giving their opinion, it can help kids reflect and learn from each relationship. So you can try asking your child questions like, what do you like about these friends? Which of your friends would you most enjoy studying with? Which of your friends would you most enjoy cooking with, camping with, skiing with, traveling with? Like there can be different friends for different categories. You don't have to have, I mean, I know society kind of tells us we're supposed to have one best friend that we can take to all of these things. That's kind of the message that 12-year-olds get and 12 and up is that the best friend is like the greatest thing, right? But sometimes there's different friends for different occasions. You might have a friend that's, you know, nice to have around when you're someone who's fun to like take on family trips with you. But maybe there's a different friend that you want to, you know, hang out with and just like study with or read books with, or maybe someone who's more active and outdoorsy and they like to go skiing and camping. And maybe there's another friend who's really creative and likes to be crafty. So it's okay to have different friends who like different things. So let's ask your kids about that. Get them thinking about that. You can ask a question like, uh, if you could change one thing about your friend, what would it be? You could ask them, what can you count on? In what way is this friend reliable? This is a great question to ask for flaky friends. Like, oh, I can count on her for to say yes and then flake on me the last minute. Um, I can count on this friend to always, you know, be up for anything I invite her to. She almost always says yes. If I invite her to sleep over, she's always going to say yes. But this friend, I can always count on her to say no when I invite her for a sleepover. Okay, good to know what you can count on. In what way would you like to be more like these friends? Because remember, that's how these friends are serving us, is they're showing us other ways to be in the world. So you can ask questions like, what do you admire about her? How do you want to be more like her? I'd like to be more outgoing. I wish I was as, you know, socially comfortable as she is. I wish I was, you know, as driven as she is to like get good grades, whatever. Just ask your child these questions, open-ended questions that help them reflect on friendships so that you're helping them make good choices about who they want to be friends with. You can also make observations. I think it's super helpful when parents, because you've got this outsider's bird's eye view, uh, I think it's super helpful to say, I notice you always complain about the same thing after you spend time with this friend, like the same complaint over and over again, that making that observation and pointing it out to your child can be very helpful. Or you can say, I notice your face lights up every time you see her calling you, or I notice she, she disappoints you a lot. I notice she flakes a lot. Just pointing those things out to your child can be very helpful to help them notice something that they might not be noticing. So when you help your child reflect on their friendships, it can help them make better choices and be more deliberate when choosing who to hang out with in the future. Today's quote of the day comes from Dr. Joanne Deke in the book, Girls Will Be Girls. She calls it the mother mantra. I am not my daughter. I don't know it all, but I can learn more if I listen more. I am my daughter's most powerful role model for life as a woman. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget to go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 10Q to download your daily journal questions and I will love you and leave you. Take care. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.